Well, this morning, we're going to be pausing our usual sermon series. And while we're worshiping in our homes, we're going to just briefly reflect on a passage from one of the minor prophets, uh, the prophet Habakkuk. It might be a prophet that you're unfamiliar with. It's a very short book. But this morning, we're going to be looking at uh, the first chapter, beginning in verse 12, all the way through the second chapter of the first verse. You'll find the passage uh, printed in your bulletins that's been provided for you. If you'd follow along as I read aloud from Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net, he makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at the watchpost, and station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Let's pray. Father, I ask as we look together at your word that you would glorify yourself and that you would work within us, Lord, to show us our own sin and our own need of the righteousness of Christ. We love you. We thank you uh, that you care for your people uh, every day of our lives, uh, even when we're unaware, uh, even in uh, situations that we cannot see. We know that you care for us. So care for us this morning uh, by ministering your words to our hearts. We ask in your name. Amen. I want you to imagine uh, that you have arrived to see the greatest archer of all time. An archer, someone who shoots a bow and arrow. And you've heard about this archer, and man, is he good. He can shoot a bird out of the sky. He can shoot an apple off of your head. He can even shoot an arrow into the target and then shoot another arrow that splits that arrow right down the middle. This guy's like Robin Hood. I want you to imagine that you're there with the crowd, the audience, and you're here to witness this great archer. And he pulls back his bow and arrow. And as you're waiting for him to release the arrow, the the crowd is all sort of on edge. They can't wait to see what he's about to do. And he releases this arrow. And you look with the crowd downfield to see the target, maybe 100 yards down the field. And you look and there's no arrow in the target. There's no arrow in the bullseye. There's nothing even around the target. And you, together with the audience, you kind of gasp. There's lots of questions going through your mind. Isn't this supposed to be the greatest archer of all time? How has he missed the target? I'm confused. Have I missed something? What in the world is going on? I want you to imagine then that this archer turns to you and and says, you've underestimated my power and my ability. 
You've underestimated my prowess. He says, the target that you see at the end of the field is not the one that I was aiming at, but look much farther down the field and you'll see that I've hit the target. And as you cast your vision, you see the target that's 100 yards away that has no arrow sitting in it. And you pull out your binoculars and you look and 1,000 yards away, way down the field is this target. And in the middle of the bullseye is the archer's arrow. You'd be amazed, wouldn't you? Uh, you'd be astounded. You'd be impressed uh, by the accuracy of this archer. You see, that, that image is an image that describes the providence of God. This is always the way the providence of God works. You see, rarely does it feel like every event in our lives is for our good. We often look at a nearsighted target, and this nearsighted target in our vision, that is the life that we're aiming for. That's the good life. That's the one we've envisioned. It's the one that has the family that we've dreamed of, the home that we've always wanted, the career, the profession, the years that we've methodically planned out. That is, as we would imagine, what it would look like if God gave us good things. My life needs to move in this direction towards this nearsighted target, and God pulls back and he releases the arrow on the trajectory of our lives, and it flies 10 feet over the target that we thought was exactly where God wanted us to be. See, as I said, that's always how the providence of God works. It's exactly what the prophet Habakkuk wrestles over in this passage this morning. You see, Habakkuk lived in maybe one of the worst times in all of the history of Israel. Habakkuk the prophet was in the southern kingdom of Judah, during the late 700s and the early 600s, the northern kingdom had already been destroyed. And all around him, within Israel and outside of Israel, there was evil and wickedness. The people were apostate in Israel. They had rejected the Lord God. The kings were evil. And all of the Gentile nations around them were threatening their very existence. One commentator said if he looked about him, he sees nothing but violence done by Israel. If he looked before him, he sees nothing but violence done against Israel. And it's hard to say which is the more melancholy sight for the prophet Habakkuk. And you see right before the, the verses that we've read this morning, God responds to Habakkuk. And he says to Habakkuk, I've heard your cry. I have heard your lamenting. And you know what? I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to send the Babylonians to judge Israel. I'm going to send the Chaldeans to carry the people away. And you could probably imagine the prophet Habakkuk saying, wait, 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 God, that's not what I was talking about. I was pleading for your intervention. I was confused about your providence. I was wondering what you're going to do to rescue us, not asking for you to send a people to judge us. That's why Habakkuk begins in verse 12 saying, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. And you see what he's saying there is not so much a statement, we shall not die, but a question like, God, we shall not die, right? We will not be wiped off the face of the earth. We will not be thwarted, right, God? See, it's like we're watching the master archer and we're looking at the target that is in our vision and we're thinking, um... God, where are you aiming? 
The prophet Habakkuk, like you and I, lacks the providence and the sovereignty and the sight of God. Habakkuk is looking at the events around him and he's saying, I don't get it. I can't see how this all makes sense. It doesn't seem to add up for our good and for your glory, God. And I would say to you this morning, isn't that something of what it feels like to be a Christian in this day and age? Haven't you often wondered, as you look around you, with all the wickedness, what in the world is God doing? There are those who claim to be Christian, and yet they sin, and they demonstrate a wickedness. There are leaders, both those who profess to be Christian and those who uh, profess not to be Christian, where there is wickedness and injustice. There are those we call friends who might harm us. There are those who we call enemies who are against us. It seems as if all of the world is backwards, and that's a very corporate realization. But if you think about how this personally affects us in our lives, you think about the things that make no sense in life. Husbands and wives who want to have children but can't. Uh, children who are born disabled. Sickness and disease. Persecution. Think about abuse and neglect. As we look around us, you might be asking the question, how in the world does this add up? What are you doing, God? How can this be ever for our good and for your glory? You might even ask the question, nothing maybe major has hindered you, but you might say, listen, God, I've followed you, and I've done all that you've commanded, or so it seems, and yet I see wicked people all around me who are having more success than I am. They keep their jobs. They support their families. They have a good income. They seem to have everything, and it seems as if things were always slipping through my fingers. Why, God? Now, let me tell you a very freeing and crucial truth in your confusion. God wants us to ask those questions. He wants us to inquire. He wants us to be inquisitive and logical and to wonder. He has created us in His image that we might ask these questions, but that we might do it with a reverential fear. You see, that's exactly what Habakkuk does. In verse 13, he says to the Lord God, You are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You see what he's saying? He's saying, God, I, I know your character, but it seems as if your character isn't lining up with what I'm observing. It's an apparent contradiction, and I don't know what to do with it, God. In verse 14, he says, you make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. But you see, Habakkuk has already confessed that the Lord God rules over everything. And so he rules, and yet it appears there is no ruler. It's an apparent contradiction for Habakkuk. In verse 15, he says that the wicked and the godless are the ones who are prospering. They're rejoicing. They're being glad from their victories. For the prophet Habakkuk, this is an apparent contradiction. See, this is the, the tone of the entire book of Habakkuk. The prophet, he speaks in these reverential declarations that recognize the character of the Almighty God, but then in his weakness and his frailty that is only fitting for the human heart. The prophet says, my mind cannot comprehend. My heart cannot perceive. I stand speechless. I can only express my confusion before you. See, as Christians, it's not if we encounter incongruities in this world, but it's when. When we encounter things that make no sense to us, we'll have to decide how to move forward, how to seek God, how to have our questions answered. Where do we go? 
I want to encourage you this morning not to sit on and ignore this stuff away, not to act like these questions don't exist to the point that one day we just say, you know, I have too many unanswered questions. I don't know what to do. I'm done. You see, because many people before you have done that, they've allowed unanswered questions to continue to go unanswered, not to inquire of God, not to seek. And eventually these things, they add up and they become too overwhelming. The prophet Habakkuk has that same kind of reverent inquiry that we're encouraged to have. That is the way that we ought to ask the question, coming to God, probing, inquiring, seeking of Him. I know that the only target, God, that I can see is the one that is right in front of me. Lord, show me the bigger target. Point my direction, my gaze much further downfield. And look at where this all brings the prophet in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I'll take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower And I'll look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. See, Habakkuk says, after he questions the Lord, he says, I'm I'm ready. I'm waiting on you. I'm looking to you. And I wonder, how will you answer me, God? And what does God answer the prophet? What does he say? He repeats the same message that he had given Habakkuk in the first chapter, a message of judgment. And Habakkuk is left scratching his head saying, okay, I just don't get it. See, God's purposes are greater and bigger than our minds. They're grander than you or I can conceive. Habakkuk wasn't expecting the answer that God gave him. So often, neither are we. So often, we're not looking for the ways that God leads us. We're not thinking of the direction that God is taking us. We wouldn't have planned it this way, and yet it is good. And hear this. The prophet knows, and we ought to be comforted knowing that too often this is a question The question about what is God doing, about where he's aiming, about how he's using these events, about how they will actually be good for us. That is a question that will not be answered in this world. What God is doing and why he is doing it, 99% of that will be completely shrouded until we see him face to face. Rarely does it feel like every event in our lives is for our good, but providence in its mysterious movements, it flanks the arguments about how we may feel, and it compels our faith in the God who is doing 10,000 times more than we realize. This doing, whether it is seen or unseen, and most often it is unseen, whether it is painful or pleasant, is resolutely and effectively targeting our eternal joy and God's eternal glory. The only thing that any of us can be resolutely confident of is the truth that God is aiming for our eternal joy and for his eternal glory. And he will hit that target. And that target is way, way further down the field than we can even see. At times, God will give us glimpses down the field. He gives us spiritual binoculars and we're able to look down and see some of the plans of God. Those are heavenly graces. But for Habakkuk, this target that he can see is the success and the continuity of Israel that is immediately before his eyes of the nation and the people. He desires that the glory of the Lord might be declared in all of the earth. But Habakkuk is too nearsighted to see beyond the nation. The nation of Israel that's currently in unbelief. It's currently apostate, even as he was speaking. He thinks this target is God's glory. This target of the people of Israel is the preservation of God's people. It's the big plan for God's restoration. And you know what happens? God draws back the bow and he releases his arrow and it absolutely soars over the target that Habakkuk had in mind. 
As a matter of fact, God's arrow has been on this trajectory since before creation. is streaming for a fuller, more perfect, grace-filled target than the prophet could ever have imagined. God gives the prophet Habakkuk. He gives all the prophets of the Old and New Testament. He gives them glimpses down the field. But if Habakkuk could have had his spiritual binoculars, he would have looked down the field and he would have seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Much, much further downfield was the plan of God to achieve all that the prophet could dream of and more. That in Christ, God would be glorified. That in Christ, the people of God would be preserved. That in Christ, our ultimate good would be realized. Our our eternal joy would be fulfilled. That in Christ, the big plan of restoration would be found in Christ. That, we can rest assured, is God's bullseye. It's the target that he aims for and he hits. Do you wonder what God is doing out there? You wonder what God is doing in this world? I can tell you this much. He is ordering everything that comes to pass for his glory, that the Son of God might be lifted up and exalted for our greatest good and for your eternal joy. Sometimes it may not feel like it, but you just have to look a little further downfield and you'll see that the plans of God are greater than the plans that we have for ourselves. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this passage from Habakkuk, and we thank you that you encourage us with these little glimpses into your providence and care. So I ask, Lord God, that you would encourage our hearts, that we would trust you, that we would inquire of you when we have confusion, when we have doubts, but that, Lord, we would glorify you even in our questions, even in our inquiring. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.